Hi there, this is Greg Legro. And this is Jamie Dew. Of Fully and Completely. Autumn. You're listening to... <laughs> Hello and welcome to Fully and Completely, the podcast where every two weeks we explore another album by the Tragically Hip. We are going in chronological order, exploring each album they put out and a couple from the uh, solo area as well from the band. We're going to look at the uh, artistic climate around the release of the album so you can get a little bit of context to what was happening when these albums came out, a little bit of sports, a little bit of other music, a little bit of whatever comes into our heads as we go through it, as we try to uh, get to the bottom of what makes this amazing band so fascinating to us uh, Canadians and other people too. My name is Greg Legro. I'm looking at Jamie Dew. How are you? You know what? I'm uh, sort of going through a Randy Newman phase. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's great. Yeah, I think yeah, so. I think sure. it's going to be all right. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of, you know, there's some melancholy, but mostly positivity. I need a, a more syrupy voice. Like sure. I need, you know, yeah, he's yeah. got such a wonderful, mm-hmm, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been watching the Toy Story series a lot, so I, that's sort of like listening to a Randy Newman yeah, album. Yeah, those are like tearjerkers, aren't they? Yeah, yeah I love those movies. Yeah, his songs. Yeah, look at you. Jesus. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> How are you? Oh, I'm terrific. Just fine. Uh, I'm excited about this episode in particular. Have been for a while. Been waiting for this one. You alluded to it a couple episodes yeah. ago. Our, our 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 diehard fans will know. Yeah, yeah. When we were talking about yeah. color palettes, the that very you were, yes, uh, the final shade. That's right. Perhaps. Yeah, come in, come in, come in, come in. Two thousand and two. So much to talk about. Not a lot, really. Not a bunch of things have changed. You know, we're still in Kretchen. Still land. Kretchen. Still, isn't that crazy? What, a, what an iron fist he had. Yeah. Um. And this is. Uh, we talked about it. Uh. With Rob on the music at work album and the changing landscape of music. What things are you know, things are really going in every direction now. There's there's doesn't seem to be a dominant scene happening you no. know like everything moved with the grunge wave or the hair metal wave or the whatever wave that was going on like where like everything was that for a little while everything is splintered enormously and all the big bands of the 90s have now either broken up died faded away or didn't really do great work some of them carry on some of them unexpectedly even in this little oh. a little uh, rundown of big albums from 2002 so you get an idea of what was really catching people's eye uh, when the hip were putting I'm out. I'm very curious life. to hear this. All right. Uh, big, big album in 2002 is A Rush of Blood to the Head, Coldplay. That, That's I, the I follow-up, right? Like that, yeah, it was the follow-up to the yellow uh, parachutes. Parachutes, yeah. And this was inescapable if you drank coffee. Every <laughs> coffee shop I went to had the scientist playing. Um, I I didn't own this album, but I didn't, didn't feel like need I needed to because need need it was just to. everywhere. You're gonna go somewhere and hear clocks or the yeah, scientists. Yeah, oh or... man. Um, and like yeah, I get it. Super catchy. Yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't into it though. Um, I I was indifferent. You know, it, sure. It, it was. A, I respected the hooks, and the, I think the scientist is a nice sad song. Agreed. Yeah, uh, but it's exactly what you said. It's it's the perfect music for a coffee shop because yeah, I don't yeah. know that anybody would walk in and go. Oh, I'm leaving. This is on. <laughs> it's just sort of like yeah, yeah. white wallpaper or right, something. Right, right. You know? um, and uh, I guess topical for now with a big surprise album that came out, The Eminem Show, uh, 2002. Is that his second one? That is the third. Oh, he was pretty prolific right off the bat, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is the, well, as far as I would, if I could be so bold, the last good one. 
Okay. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I have trouble going back and listening to Eminem stuff now as a grown person um, and not just an angry 22-year-old or whatever. A lot of anger, a lot of um, yeah. questionable so subject matter. So questionable and like really hard to be like, whoa, okay, I can't be okay with this. There's undeniable, so many. undeniable rapper though yeah. like, i mean the just talent is the speed absurd. and the, yeah. the cadence is unreal yeah. and this was still a big album this had this had stuff on it soldier was on here so was that oh, a right, hit yeah, I that was a cleaning up my closet and yeah, stuff yeah right? still quite big uh queens of the stone age songs for the deaf that's a great record boy is that a good record yeah, that really is um really good and i was i i already was into them i uh, the restricted album or rated r the blue cover um i was quite into uh, uh because everyone kind of caught a little bit of uh what was maybe the potential to come with uh, the the long lost art of keeping a secret being kind of like a secret little hit that came out a couple of years prior to this. But then this comes out, they've got Dave Grohl on drums. Right. And uh, no one knows that single drops. And it was just a tornado. Like, everything else Great just stopped. Yeah. <laughs> just get out of the fucking way. Well, this thing clears everything on the radio for a little while. Yeah. It was- a remarkable song. Still sounds amazing. You would have thought almost that rock and roll was you know making a comeback absolutely know? and this is on the heels of in 2001 you've got the strokes and white stripes blowing up and more from them to come next year 2003 where the white stripes drop seven nation army and that's like a fucking another one of like oh shit a good bomb I <laughs> a say. good bomb listen overplayed probably i heard too many people covered in a, a venue that i used to work at definitely but listen that bass line that hook woo boy when it came out it was yeah it was get out of the fucking way like when you have uh, hype and uh, anticipation and expectation uh, it's hard to deliver this well like, I, I would agree, yeah. Queens of the Stone Age, like, they're out of nowhere. So this was super exciting. And you're like, hey, Dave Grohl is drumming again. How exciting is that? Because, um, you know, the Foo Fighters also had a big album this year. The uh, One the by One. Okay, yeah. And yeah. that was uh, a return to a little more heavy. Uh, sure. Heavy field. They got it. a little winky. Right? Yeah, I, I, I suppose, but if you think of that... <laughs> like that, learning to fly and stuff is like fine. Is that on that record? No, that's older. But oh, that's right. Like, well, that's yes, where they kind of got to. I get like, you Like now. cutesy videos and they stuff. Had been, they had and become this was that. a little bit more... And this was all of a sudden, Dave, they, they let him scream. And yeah. he can scream. Mm-hmm. He's a screamer. He really can. Yeah. Um, that song is of the death album. I just want to touch back on it for a moment. It's a shame that there's too much happening in this lineup for it to be the forever lineup. But if this band has remained with Josh Homme and Nick Olivieri on bass, who was just a you know uh, uh, an instigator of a human being, uh, and uh, Dave Grohl on drums, and uh, uh, from the Screaming Trees, uh, Mark Lanigan, Lanigan yeah. handling other vocal duties, if that could maintain, that is the the complement of all the clashing vibes going on there of three of four, you know, alphas or whatever you want to call it. Like these are all band leader types all in one band and kind of having to do what Josh Homme wants them to do, but it works so well. The movement of this record and all the hits and all the deep cuts on it. What a remarkable, uh, remarkable album and great rock and roll record that I'm gonna I had to such today. a time with when it came out and the uh, track on it, 
the title track songs for the De- song for the deaf yep. uh, has some just gut punching brilliant drumming from Dave Grohl. It's a great song, and then the last minute minute and a half is just a fury. It's all God is it amazing. So uh, interesting, two really different things going on there with Coldplay to Queens of the Stone Age to Eminem. You have Beck drop maybe his best work with Sea Change which is one of the best breakup albums of all time because oh, you really want to s- dig into being sad. <laughs> it's a sad, oh, sad record. But it's beautiful. I, I listened to the shit out of that record no, when it too. came out. Oh, God, I was obsessed with it. Yeah, uh, So great. And there, and that's a hangover from the 90s that you wouldn't have expected when Loser came out to, that this guy would be just putting out you know album after album of quality work and changing so many times. You know, that's and right. still relevant today, <laughs> no matter what Kanye says. Uh, <laughs> Uh, fantastic and sea change I still think is his finest moment as a songwriter you have the Red Hot Chili Peppers I think fully cementing their uh, sound into mall rock mall uh, rock they Very sound nice. like a, if a yeah. mall made a noise it would be the Red Hot Chili Peppers this is after Californication yes this one? yeah this is by the way by the way I yeah. saw them on this tour and guess who opened for them who Queens of the Stone Age. No shit. Yeah. Not bad. But uh, Grohl was not part of it, but apparently some of the tour he was. Oh, sure. Right? Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, I I liked the Peppers at one point. Sure. The Chilies. Yeah. Um, Mother's uh, Milk is a great record. Yeah, Mother's Milk and uh, 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 Blood Sugar. I mean... It's undeniable. Yeah. It's overplayed now. Sure. It feels dated, but it's undeniable. When you went from knowing who they were on Mother's Milk to... Blood sugar coming out. It was kind of like, oh, what, what? That's right. It was insane. Yeah, insane. The quality jump and like the expansion of blah blah blah. And I think one hot minute gets a little bit too much flack. I think there's moments on it. Uh, it's a, it's a little gem that I, I go back to. Uh, there's to. great stuff. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. even like the, I even like the singles. Like I like. Oh yeah. I like warped and, quite a bit. Yeah. I think warped a lot is of great. fun. Um, and then Californication was when I kind of like on first listen, I'm like, Hey, fun. And then like a few more listens, I'm like, Hey, I'm fucking bored. <laughs> for, I'm me, for me, for me, I think it just got overplayed. Like, yeah, I think it, it super overplayed that one. And then they, record too. they're just like, everything was either like a, a mixture. It was always a mixture. I always kind of felt like everything. They just had one pot that had a little bit of give it away under the bridge. And, uh, uh, I don't know, maybe suck my kiss in it. And like, okay. that's it. Yeah, and that was everything has and other side. Everything okay. yes. sounds a little yes. bit like other side all the time, and I don't like it anyway. Uh, Jay Z continues uh, to dominate with the Blueprint Two. Um, Bruce Springsteen begins the comeback because the '90s just swallowed him alive. There was yeah, no no interest in Bruce in the '90s. No E Street Band. No uh, no one cared for Lucky Town and Human Touch. Uh, and it was just like it looked like it was over for Bruce being uh, accepted as like a cool thing to listen to, or like even looking back at his almost perfect discography up to a point. You know, you're too big in the '80s, and and oh everyone gosh. misunderstanding what Born in the USA is about. You know, and it gave him a stigma and whatever, and the changing face of music in the '90s. Then Bruce is just swept away. But the rising is in 2002. Um, it has a lot of its uh, lyrics pointed at uh, 2001 and 9-11. That's right. And it, it just does a great job of resetting the footing for Springsteen to begin that uh, long walk back to uh, relevancy, honestly. Um, and thank goodness, because he did put out some great records after this. Not 
all of them, I would say. But no, I don't think I don't think but, so. But uh, there's but some really powerfully good music to come from Bruce after this, and this is where it begins, and that's great. And then finally, people went, you know what? Springsteen's fucking amazing. That's right. Even if it made, even if these new records were good enough that it made people go back to yes. Nebraska, and which back is to what happened with me. I wasn't a Springsteen Springsteen ah. guy ever until like a few years ago. Right. And then I became obsessed. Yeah. Obsessed. I was like, I don't know what I've been doing with my time. Because from like 1973 <laughs> to like. 1986, he was infallible. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, yeah. and and what a wide variety of cool shit going yeah. on too. Yeah, uh, God, God damn, I love Springsteen, and I and I almost I almost mourn for my lost time of not listening to Springsteen. Yeah, but it was a, a lot of like I mean, Tunnel of Love came out in like 1988 or whatever. Yeah, and that was the follow up to uh, Yeah, Born in the USA, and it was it's not good. It's not good. No, no. no. So I like did. Brilliant Disguise like a lot. Sure, a fucking great song. That you baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, this is, so thank goodness for the rising. Uh, and then we've got Celine Dion, Nelly, Nelly's making albums and people are buying them. Jesus. Nelly. Yeah. (laughs) Still making albums. Uh, what else to talk about? So hip hop, hip hop and what do you got? Nora Jones. Soft jazz sounds. Yeah, soft jazz sounds. I thought yeah. that was something different. Sorry. Mm, that's okay. Yep. Uh, Spoons got Kill the Moonlight, which is one of the most perfect rock and roll records I've ever heard. If you haven't listened to Spoon, mm. turn off this podcast right yeah, now. Go listen to fucking Spoon. Go uh, listen to, well, you probably have, if you're a big hit fan, you probably listen to them because of your favorites. And when yeah. Gore talks about um, Gaga, 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 Gaga. Exactly. Yeah. But listen to Kill the Moonlight. Yeah. And what's the one right after that? Uh, oh, uh, uh, with the red. Uh, I probably the most famous. Give me one. fiction. Give me fiction. That is, oh, boy, is that, a good that is really really yeah. good. And but they're, they're the, just good at what they do. They just make good records. That's yep. all they do. They yep. still do. Twenty seventeen, another great fucking record. Like, got to uh, revisit it. Oh, it's so wonderful. Uh, yeah, Kill the Moonlight was my first Spoon album, uh, and I'm still deeply in love with them. What a great band! What a great consistent rock and roll band that people should appreciate while they're still here. Um. Oh, you forgot it in people. Broken social scene. This is a oh, huge moment. This is pretty. This is a huge moment. This is very, very. Uh, this is big for Canadian music. Yeah, um, and, and indie music. And indie music, and it kicks off. It all starts right here. There was this indie pop fucking explosion, and it went off in a couple of different areas, and a lot of it had to do with Canada, though. And it starts yeah. here. With Broken Social Scene, because Arcade right. Fire is right around the corner. That's right. Montreal. Yep. And this is the Toronto uh, blow up. So uh, you've got Feist is in this group. You've got all kinds of stuff. And this connects back to Gord later down the road. That's right. Because uh, uh, Kevin's going to produce a bunch of stuff for him. So and it's a, uh, like a little collective of people like, let's get it together. Let's do the thing we want to do our way. And then here you fucking go. For me, working in a live music venue for nearly a decade, uh... Uh, this was amazing to see every, what came in the wake of You Forgot It in People because the band scene blew up again. It was like 1992 when everyone was in a fucking band because grunge and Nirvana. And suddenly just the bands just happened again and the city was alive with with, with, uh, really? uh, with new music and, and, uh, and a scene. There was really a scene. I, I, we went from being like a venue that was open like, Three, four days a week, they did like okay to we were open seven days a week. We had three to five bands a night, and it was always busy. It wow. Was, it was great. And it was like that for a few years before that this whole thing burnt out, you know? But you forgot it in people. It was a big, big, 
big moment for Canadian music. And what a great record. It yeah. still sounds awesome. Um, and I, f- I was about to just steer us away from the albums because I feel like we've been talking about it for a while, but it, there are some things that are worth mentioning for what's to come. Uh, Justified, Justin Timberlake, uh, his first solo outing is also this year, and it is a big Big hit. It's a monster. Whoa, is it big. Um, and Let Go, Avril Lavigne, more Canadian uh, Shazam oh, wow. for you. Yeah, yeah, which, boy, I didn't care for this. I was under, I didn't understand. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't expect to go so negative on it. But listen, I didn't it's understand. Lyme disease, for no, God's they're sake. They're selling it as like some kind of like pop punk thing, and it's just not. Like, what was that big, big song of hers? Uh, complicated. complicated. That's a country song. That is a new country song. My good make it so complicated. That is not a there's no punky. I don't care what color your she hair wore is. A tie. That is a country song. She wore a, a tie. Country song. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I did not care for this is a complicated time as a music listener because was, things were going in a lot of different directions. That was them packaging her because some some forty one had broke the totally. the summer before. One hundred percent. And it's, it, it was, was just like, gross. I was like, Don't lie to me. That's right. This is a country artist. The guy from Trouble who doesn't know who David Bowie is. All. Yes, exactly. Remember that? Yeah, yeah that's a bummer. Um, so the so the big story of this year is I think it's it's Timberlake and Avril Lavigne are making huge waves and, and, and Coldplay this, probably like those three that you're saying. Sure, yeah. sure. Uh, but there's a tidal wave coming and it's going to shape how uh, radio goes because everything's changing around now too. This is this is right at the end of people are spending money on albums. This is right at the end. It's about to get all fucked up and Napster and LimeWire and everything people used and it just started to really dig into it. Right now, we're still buying CDs. Everyone's yes. buying CDs. No sweat. That's but right. It's all coming to an end. Anyway, and a big pop tidal wave is on its way. Um, but we're still getting interesting and diverse releases. Oh, man, um, there's two deep cuts there right on the right on the front right there. Um, Yankee Foxtrot Hotel. Oh, Wilco. Wilco. And, oh, how did I and miss Flaming Lips. Which a, what a wonderful record. Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots. Big. It's so album. good. This is another one that's huge in the movement of the indie pop thing that's about to take over for about seven years yeah just people giving people the courage to do something a little different yeah you know like uh, and this is a band that was around forever they like they used to just try and sound like pavement and now it's like <laughs> you know 15 years into their right. career they finally nailed them they're like let's uh up the production values mm. and let's do some wild wild things and yeah. think of the, the soft bullet and caught people's attention but this one this is a breakthrough this exploded yeah. you, you, you could not predict from a band putting out this many albums over this length of time to finally nail something this big. Yeah. Fucking crazy. <clears throat> I think that swear was uh, very worthy. Yes. I feel like I put a little pin in it. That's right. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we're done talking about that. Hey, uh, let's talk about some more 2002. Um, what do you got for us, Greg? I, I, let's talk about the CFL. Right. Can I talk about the CFL for need, a second? We need a bumper or a stinger for this. Like, yeah. <laughs> Greg, CFL corner. I can't tell you how much I thoroughly enjoy talking about the CFL. Um, you might be one of the few. I Well, man, I gave it. Uh, there's going to be a point where I don't have a lot to say because I did fade out on it. But I tried really hard for like a long, long, long time. And the games can be great. And, you know, and I all I would think was like, would you just up the production? Production value. Make it look like sports on TV. <laughs> High school football in the States looks better than the CFL does on TV. It looks like garbage on TV. Wow. We look cheap. It looks 
cheap. Right. Just make it look like sports. Please. I never even thought of that. Yeah. Anyway, here we are finally with two winning teams that made it into the Grey Cup. Impossible. I know. <laughs> Thank you for the French because it is the Montreal Alouettes oh. with a 13-5 and five, uh, record. That's uh, a very good record in the CFL. That is extremely good. Going up against the Edmonton Eskimos also with a 13-5 and five record. Oh, which so team this has is, got the better 13-5 and five record? Let's I, see. Uh, it is the Montreal Alouettes winning 25-16. Uh, That's a good score. That is a good score. This is a very, very good Alouettes team. This is the this is their like in a bit of a dynasty almost, right? Yeah, they're well. They won three times because they had Anthony Cavillo, right? Who right. played for like twenty years, <laughs> which is that. nuts. That is like really... that's that's Tom that's Tom Brady yeah. level, and you cannot uh, discount his accomplishments in those twenty years because whenever you ask somebody like, oh, who's got the most passing yards of any quarterback in professional sports history, you're like, oh, I don't know, Peyton Manning, Marino. Montana, or uh, anyway, it's not. It's Anthony Cavillo. Are you joking? I am not joking. He is in, in professional football. In professional football. Wow. Uh, he is one of seven professional quarterbacks who have completed over 400 touchdown passes. The others being Brett Favre, Warren Moon, Peyton Manning, Dan Marino, Brady, Breeze. Like this is the kind of output this guy had for 20 years. In Insane. And he yeah. played at a high level the entire time. In fact, you would uh, you really would look at it and say he played his best football in the second 10 years that he played. Huh. Amazing. Um, so, And they're still really trying, the CFL, to like, they're putting a swing on it, like getting these big acts for the halftime show. We had some guess who. Right, yeah. Right. Shania Twain. Shania Twain. Sure. Lovely. Not, lovely. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. Good, good get. Yeah, I would say. That's a good get. You know, you talk about uh, female singers, and uh, Canada just has a, I don't know what it is about our female singer output, but Mm -hmm. it's like at one point, we owned pop with Alanis, we owned country with Shania, and we owned contemporary with, like adult contemporary with with Celine. Celine. Yeah. It's like, that is unreal. And you got the the youngins with Avril Avril popping up, Yeah. yeah. Um. So there you go. Pretty good. Anthony Calvillo was the uh, MVP of this game. He got the GMC. The, the, That's right. The, the truck. He got the pickup truck. I wonder if right. he gave it away. Um. So pretty good. That's a that's a that's a pretty good Grey Cup right there. This is the first one he wins. He's going to win two more. Uh. Over the decade. I'm sorry. I don't know. Off the top of my head, I wasn't sure if we'd talk about it. So just in case, <laughs> we'll come back to it. I got more I can say about old uh, Tony Cavillo. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are tight. Hey, hey, yeah. Tony. It was it was stupid how he just stayed so good for so long. Um, hockey, yeah, two thousand and two Stanley Cup. Um, this is significant too. This right. is another reason I'm excited about this okay. album. Um, not significant for who won. It's the Red Wings over the Hurricanes in five. Hurricanes win game one, and then Red Wings are like, hey, 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 no. <laughs> Just Barf, four games. Hurricanes. Oh, forget it, yeah. Uh, this uh, Red Wings team is just loaded. Oh, really? Oh, boy. This is a dynasty. It, right? uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, the, you got, here, let me pull up there. Stevie Eiserman. Oh, yeah. Where's uh, Stevie Eiserman, uh, Chris Draper. Brendan Shanahan, Brett Hull. Brett Hull? Mm. Uh, Lindstrom, Chris Chelios, Hasek. Like, eh, that's a good team. That's a real good team. You could just put those seven guys 
against a roster of 20, and they'd probably still, probably no do. line changes. Okay. I think so. Yeah. Um, for me, why this is uh, significant, I've mentioned before on the show, not a big hockey guy. Yeah. You know, I didn't, you know, uh, coming, being born in the States and being a big football, basketball person and... You know, I just didn't, uh, I felt a little outside of it all the time. I'd watch stuff and I understood what was going on because I liked sports. <clears throat> but this Leafs team uh, changed a lot for me because I started watching. Okay. This is the Matt Sundin as our captain. That's but right. But more importantly, this is the Gary Roberts era. Yes. And we've got Darcy Tucker and we've got Cujo and we're about to get uh, Belfour coming in and stuff like that. I, uh, Caberlet. You yeah. know, like I loved this Leaf team. And as much as they were just devastating heartbreakers. They were because I'm pretty sure they <laughs> lost to Carolina in the they semifinals. Did in six games because they went seven games against the Senators. They went seven games against oh, somebody else. I can't remember off the top of my head. And then in six games lost to Carolina. Uh, yeah, so they could have played the Red Wings. In yeah, the, in the, which yeah. would have been which would have been nuts. And I mean Gar- Gary watching nutty. Gary Roberts in these playoffs. I mean, he was diving in front of pucks, two black eyes. I was like, this is everything I adore about sports. Yeah. Watching this guy just dive into the ground. <laughs> like it's so much heart. So <laughs> much heart. I don't know. I I like I don't know if I've enjoyed uh, I, I don't know who my favorite hockey player would be, but I think it might be Gary Roberts just for watching this guy. Just dig in. Just he teaches now. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what he does. He teaches I've all the youngsters yeah. uh, the way. Yeah. So that's and good. The, listen, if there's somebody who's going to teach you a way, Gary Roberts. Probably a good thing. Yeah, he just, yeah. probably just takes you go into his gym, give him $1,000, and he just slap shots, pucks at you. <laughs> he just stares at you. He just stares at you until you get it. Look at, look at my eyes. Look at my eyes. I can't, I can't look at your eyes right now. <laughs> Mr. Roberts, I just beat myself. <laughs> The next year, they uh, uh, they lose in seven games in the first round to Philadelphia. It was, oh, it was oh, I remember that vividly. Yeah, I'll talk about that sucked. when we. I'll talk about that when we uh, when we get there. But yeah, I was headed to Hollywood that year. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so it was big. This was a big. I watched the playoffs more intensely than I ever have the previous because this team was in the playoffs for like five years straight or something. They were, yeah, yeah. So it was happening, you know. And I watched the previous year too, but it was like this was that that two thousand and two that that push in the playoffs that almost so close six games six is, games yeah. and and stretched them all out of these seven game series and just watching Gary Roberts just dig Will out of an empty pit it was amazing. Oh, so good. If you're a band out there right now, I want to tell you. If you've just recorded 12 tracks mm-hmm. and you've got an album ready to go mm-hmm. and you're looking for a name for that record, Dig Will from an Empty Pit is a <laughs> fucking pretty good place to go, Yeah, I and think. Before you're sure you're done that album, go sit somewhere and stare at a picture of Gary Roberts <laughs> and you see if Gary thinks it's done. <laughs> anyway. Oh, man. Yeah. So. So we got a record to talk about. We got a record to talk about. June, June 11th, I believe. Uh, another summertime release. Another summertime. It's the best way to do it. Uh, yeah. Who produced this? This is produced by, I got a bit to talk about with this guy because okay. this is kind of cool. Tell me a story. This is Hugh Pad, Padhim. Yeah. Uh, this is their first get as a producer mm-hmm. where they were fanboying a little bit because Johnny Faye talks about. Uh, in one of the books that's out right now, Johnny Faye talks about 
he actually missed. Uh, he had to do summer school because of Hugh Pagdam. Hmm. And if I'm pronouncing that wrong, you guys can correct me on Reddit yeah. or whatever. <laughs> but Pag Pagdam. Padam. 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 Yeah. So synchronicity synchronicity mm. came out the year that Johnny Faye was in whatever grade, mm-hmm. uh, eighty three, I think, mm-hmm. and uh, he skipped his exams to go be one of the first people in Kingston to get this record. <laughs> Obviously, a big Stuart Copeland fan. Sure, yeah. And, I mean, well, and the rest good of drummer. Them, yeah, uh, and uh, so he, and, he, and the the you cannot uh, diminish how enormous the police were. Right. Whoa. Yeah. Big. And this guy produced that so record. Big. Yeah. This guy produced that record. He produced Genesis. He produced um, Phil Collins. The the record that's one of the more famous records is uh, who was the original singer of Genesis? Peter Gabriel. Mm-hmm. Peter Gabriel's third record, and that's when he came up with that gated drama sound that basically ruled the fucking eighties. Oh wow! But if you think of the Phil Collins in the air tonight, that yeah. that drum solo that everybody does when it comes up, yeah, that's produced by Hugh Pagdam. Interesting. Hugh Pagdam. Yeah. Pagdam. Yeah. So there it is. Uh, this is a this is a big guy. He big he guy. also worked with uh, XTC. Uh, he worked with um, gosh, Kate Bush. Oh, Hall and Oates. Really? What did he do with Kate Bush? Uh, he was a he was a mixer for Kate oh, Bush. Cool. Yeah. She Hall and Oates and XTC. So yeah, yeah. Well, that's exciting. But he did Please Sting. Wow. He did all Sting solo work. Yeah. Genesis. Peter Gabriel. Phil Collins. Bowie. He did Tonight. Oh. Uh, he did Human League. Hysteria. Oh wow. Maybe Jeez. maybe one of the best hysteria records outside of Def Leppard. Hysteria. <laughs> Um, so that was a that was a a big get that's a big get that they got him and this album does sound great and he decided along with the band that the last three records they had recorded at Bath and they enjoyed recording at Bath because you know they were close to their family and their friends and they really liked that Mm -hmm. but Johnny Faye talks about this this kills me to hear this Mm -hmm. Johnny Faye talks about Phantom Power taking eight months to make Mm. and he said he can't even listen to the record now. Oh, That's wow. a tough record for him to listen to because yeah. he said they tweaked and fussed with it so much. Sure. Because they had the opportunity, because they were working at home, they had the opportunity to roll tape, so they rolled tape. Yeah. And they just recorded and recorded. And Music at Work, the record before this, they uh, worked with um, you know, a bigger... Uh, more tracks so yeah. it's, we hear that in that production of that record sure. there's a lot of electronics and stuff and they just didn't like the fitzing and futzing so they thought let's go back to what we did in the past and let's pick a cool working vacation spot mm. and we'll go and do it and they picked the Bahamas <laughs> they <laughs> went to Campus Point uh, Studios in the Bahamas which ironically is run by a guy uh, the engineer that was working that was running Campus Point, Compass Point Studios at the time was the gentleman who was uh, working at um, Ardent Studios in Memphis when they recorded up to here. Mm. So there's lots of lots of cool stuff at this studio. Back in Black was recorded. Oh, wow. Yeah. Judas Priest is recorded there. Iron Maiden's recorded oh, there. Yeah. Bob Marley's recorded there. So a lot of, lot of cool contextual stuff yeah. with where they picked to go and who they picked to turn the knobs on this record, I yeah. think. Wow. Yeah. Exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a different energy here. There is a real different energy yeah. coming out of music at work. Yeah. Uh, big time. Um, and we get this nice, this nice violet album cover. I was, uh, after, after 
as I mentioned, uh, Phantom Power was a bit of a slow burn for me because, you know, I was in a different headspace and very much the same with music at work, which was like I got, I got to way later. Um, and I had, had kind of like maybe pulled back a bit uh, from the band. But then I got drawn way back in on Coke Machine Glow. And I was like, so, but I was like, well, maybe I'm just more into, well, maybe I'm just into where Gord is solo now. Maybe that's more my, my thing. Interesting. Right? This is the album that swung me so hard back into this band. Really? Oh, man, did I go nuts for this album. Uh, and, like, I mean, the hip was always around. It wasn't like I wasn't listening to the hip yeah, anymore. Yeah, they, like, they never went This away. is 2002. I was living on the Danforth uh, uh, with a good buddy of mine. We had this uh, very warm apartment. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, or uh, sorry, very warm and also extremely cold. Oh, apartment. <laughs> good dynamics. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> uh, not when you want it to be the other way around. You know, it's uh, hot in the summer and very cold in the winter. Living right on the Danforth, uh, and uh, like road apples, just like lived in the bathroom. There was a tape deck in the in the bathroom, you know, like yeah. a cassette deck. Yeah. And just just road apples was just in there. That was your shower scene. Yeah, yeah, your yeah getting your yeah, doing your shaving, yeah. your yeah. whatever, just like you want some music in the bathroom, you just hit play and wherever road apples was, that's you know, last time that's where you just it was just always nothing better than conditioning there. your hair to uh, Cordelia. Yeah, yeah. Right? right? Yeah, yeah. I want to get that right perfect look. I still had hair then too. It's great. <laughs> um so uh, yeah, this this coming out was was big, uh, and I, I was pretty into it right away. And this started my uh, my different relationship with the band as well. Like this is I'm out of high school and college are all done, and like I mentioned the Beastie Boys a lot on this show as well because they were a big thing for me in the in the '90s and well beyond. Um, and, but and they were a, such a social group. Right when you listen to the Beasties, you're in high school. You're with your friends all the time. All you do is talk about music anyway, and you'd all get the album and just learn all the words <laughs> immediately, so you could rap along with the Beastie Boys. So much fun, good times, and uh, you know, and that happened all the way up through Hello Nasty, and then you get, then you're out of your seeing your friends five days a week, you know, and you're just out in your life. So the the a music experience isn't quite as social anymore. And the same thing with the hip. So this right. is this is where. And when I was out in, in social worlds, because I had gotten so interested in punk and metal and stuff like that, like that's kind of where I was. And, you know, as a bartender, like places I would go, like that's kind of the stuff I heard. And I wasn't uh, immersed in the hip socially anymore. And it became something that I did uh, on my own. Uh, and it was this is the 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 true descent out of like heavy play on much music and stuff like that, you know? Absolutely. Like I never saw the video for silver jet, you know, I didn't see that fucking played on TV and you were the video guy as well. Yeah, like yeah, you, I you love knew all that videos. stuff. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I'd never seen the video. I would find it on YouTube. And like, oh, they did make a video for this. Hey, it's, well, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a performance one. They did make but, one really great video for this record. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. Fun, you know, um, so, but, so yeah, my, like my, my, the, the, the personal connection to the band really the, the deep, like, I don't know uh, if I, I hope I'm making sense, but the thing where I like, are, really yeah. kind of like, it became mine, you know? And as I, as, as being born in the States and moving to Canada when I was 10 and like trying to 
figure out how I fit into that. Am I Canadian? Am I American? I don't feel American at all, but I feel kind of like I didn't grow up the same way as everybody. Right. So, and I really, and I mentioned this before, but them being the, the, the hip albums being the lens through which I saw Canada and learned about some stuff and would read things based on like, well, what the hell is he talking about? It really was like, it was a huge, like emotional, personal journey for me and it all really starts with in violet light and my deep 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 love of the second half of their career so this anyway. is divergent for me i told you on the fan of power episode how i had that moment with with the band and mm-hmm. and that sort of became a, a catalyst for my relationship with the band moving forward musical work came out i bought that record really enjoyed it um i enjoy it much more now than i did yeah. at the time likewise saw went went to the tour saw the tour in violet light came out First single, loved it, thought it was great. And uh, it was like, yep, I'm, I'm still in. Went to see them on the tour. Mm-hmm. But this was the last tour I went and saw them on. Ah. Until late, until about 10 years later. Right. And um, my, yeah, my relationship was softening. It was, mm-hmm. I guess I'm not, there was there was a time where I thought I was the biggest Tragically Hit fan on earth. Yeah. And I knew that that wasn't the case anymore. That right. there were people that were like much more diehard. Mm-hmm. They had, uh, you know, they had all the, all the B sides and all the mm-hmm. all the rare stuff yeah. for these new records, and I didn't have them. Like right. I, I loved sleuthing through lyrics and things like that prior to this, yeah. and and trying to you know piece together what the next record was going to be. And at this point, that had that had went away from me. I don't know why. Uh, yeah. I don't know why well, I stopped sleuthing. Changed, different things happened. You're yeah, growing up. There's was, other things on your mind. I was know? listening to indie music. I was listening to fucking yeah. tons of indie music. Yeah, Arcade yeah. Fire came out, changed everything for me again. Yeah. But at this point, I was listening to Neutral Milk Hotel yeah. and just enjoying music in a very different way. Still yeah. all the time, but very, very different. And, yeah. and highly produced music didn't didn't ring the same bell for me. But but going to see them live was still great. Sure. You know? Yeah. So it's, well, it's inescapable. You know? So it's interesting yeah. to me that this is when you're you're circling back in yeah. and you envelop them. Yeah. And, um, and it's a weird time for me for what I was listening to other than this, too, because I was like, you know, just shoulders deep into bad brains. And, you know, wow, I, you know, well, the punk thing really was happening for me. And uh, I mean, I still listen to everything. I, I, I didn't want to, you know, like turn my back on a genre or anything like that. So I'm still listening to stuff I I liked and I was interested in exploring other things and this is like like Nick Cave is a big deal for me in this period you know yeah Um, uh, and uh, I don't know like at the drive-in Mars Volta that was all going on for me around here but definitely a, a more aggressive music but the I was so intoxicated by It's a Good Life when I heard it before the album came out. I bought this, this is when I went back to buying the album the week it came out. You know, yes. As, yeah, where yeah. I didn't for Phantom Power. And, and, I was, and I was the opposite. So, And because I had had such a good time with uh, Coke Machine Glow. So I was a little prepped up. But it was like, I felt like something maybe happened with him going out and experimenting with Coke Machine Glow and returning to the hip having maybe reshaped his approach or something. I don't know, but I was like, and I felt it was there. There was this, this the, the darkness that I yearned for and the hip was really present. Even though this isn't necessarily the darkest one of, of, of their albums. Uh, hey, what do you <laughs> see what I did? Hey. I do. So uh, let's get into our track by track, track let's- number one, which is like the opposite of what I just said. Are you ready?
first the first verse to this song, and I don't know that this is what they're saying, but to me, this is what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, hear the whistle blowing. They're pulling the plug. We got to get going. They've got our they've got our hole dug. To me, that is the critics and the mainstream fans mm-hmm. that have basically said this band is done. Like yeah. we're we're done with this band, and and um, you know they're not yeah. they're not going anywhere and i and i think there's something really they're, great they're never broke in the states like we that's right told them they were supposed to that's right and uh, and yeah. there, there is a really great like dichotomy i guess that's interesting yeah yeah that that it's like they're burying us right now they've pulled the plug on the machine they're, they've got our whole dug and then the chorus is just but are you ready for love like yeah. like we're still here fuck you yeah and uh we're we're gonna be great still yeah except it with a shrug that's great i go well <laughs> i guess that's what, that's what it means that's what it means to me for sure i mean I, I i find this to be like a really generally uplifting album about death <laughs> wow okay tell me more <laughs> i think there's just a lot of moments where they touch on it um and yeah well i think this in that opening line too i mean there's a lot uh, you can always kind of uh, dig a couple of different um, ideas from what Gord's talking about, but I mean that the whole thing there, where they're pulling the plug and they've got our whole dug. It just I feel like, I don't feel like it's a right around the corner, but just that thing where you settle in. Maybe it's about being in your. I mean, what are they late thirties at this point, something mm-hmm. like that? Like you, you're you're kind of settled into your life, and like you're just either you're parenting or you're marriaging or you're not. And the next thing they're like, death is coming. You can feel it more, you know? And right. So it's like you can either, uh, you, you kind of have to accept it with a shrug if that's what it is. And just then, so are you ready to love? Like, that's coming. It's inevitable. The hole is dug. We're all going to it. All of us. So are you ready to love while we're still here? You know, like there's this great, like, I just thought it was like this nice uplifting kind of dark song, like how that, that uncomfortable rhythm yeah. of the guitar uh, sets out for these verses. It, it's got a strange little, you know, creep around that's going on. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just, all that, uh, the, it just kind of, I feel like there's this, you know, make the best of what you have right now, you know, which I think ties into this next song and that there's a, this these first three songs and how they get to uh, Good Life If You Don't Weaken is, uh, I feel like that's a, almost a chapter like there's a through line you know, yeah one two three four this is part one of this album and then we will take silver jet and move on 100 percent. yeah <clears throat> so uh i mean are you ready to love you you can take it on face value too this is just like a great little rock and roll song with a nice big chorus that we can all just sing along to and feel like hey maybe i'm fucking ready for love <laughs> yeah. you know what me too bud <laughs> let's hug <laughs> why not and then use it up is track two, which honestly was a slow burn song for me. Uh, okay. At first, like, I don't know, when I first had the album, it was like, it didn't jump out and grab me right away. But over time, I just uh, deeply in love with this song. I oh, agree. This is a great man, song. Man, is it good. Yeah. 
interesting stuff. Tell us about it. I will tell you about it. Um, Use it up. Don't save a thing for later. It's our opening line uh, and the common theme of this song. Um, And the lyric is attributed to uh, albums uh, accompanying a booklet to Raymond Carver, who was an American short story writer and poet. And he uh, was um, an existentialist and was a master of the seize the day style of writing. Um, and his uh, philosophy apparently also influenced Courage uh, and a couple other things. So this is, an, again, kind of like now we're in track two for it. Maybe not track one because track one, you need already ready to be the opener. So this is another tone setter or a mantra or whatever you want to call it, mission statement, you know, like seizing everything you have. Don't let any of it go away. This is like, and here's a band about like, maybe they are ready for love as a band. Like like all expectations are done now. We did the thing. We got to the top of the mountain. We can just hang out here and do whatever you fucking want. You know what we're going to do here? We're going to fucking love. That's what we're going to do. We're going to be prepared for uh, making changes and come in our life because the end might be coming. Uh, So use it all. Don't save anything for later. And it's a great song about music. <laughs> it's a great song. Oh, man, is it a good song the about The references music. to Springsteen right? and Randy Newman. I love the Springsteen line. Yeah, it's really cool. It's so good. Uh, and music that'll help you be tough and come together on more than Springsteen, though most days it's been enough. Fucking right, man. Um, Springsteen, I, I, maybe, it's, maybe it's an age thing, too, where it's like I, I, you know, I had to uh, you know, exchange my... Bad Brains and Slayer uh, f- for Springsteen and, you know, uh, getting back to the hip and Tom Petty and stuff like you change as you go through stuff. And I'm not in an emotional or mental place that I was in my mid 20s, you know, when I, you don't know who you are, you don't know what you're doing or what's going to go on, you know, and you go through an evolution, you know, and um you know, my wife as well wasn't wasn't into Springsteen uh, forever. We got so you guys it. got to enjoy it together. Yeah, we did it at the same oh, time. Wow, and that's we just cool. Spent all of these nights just sitting in the kitchen drinking wine, listening to Springsteen on vinyl and just like oh. falling in love with, with the albums and like almost each other all over again. That's it was just so great. romantic. All, yeah, isn't it nice? Yeah. <laughs> all these Springsteen wine nights that are just like the, they just touch my heart. They're the best. And I will never think of anything else when I listen to the Springsteen albums, which I obsessively did forever. Court, like, like, listen, yeah. you, you guys came together on more than just Springsteen. Right. Like, that's so <laughs> wonderful. That's so wonderful. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and there, yeah, because there's music that can take you away. You know? What do you think of this song musically? Oh, I love the, uh, uh, the, 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 the two hands of it. It's so wild, right? Yeah. Like, when you say two hands, I picture this song, the... The, um, the verses are written by like, um, Radiohead, mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. chorus is written by Georgia Satellites. <laughs> like it's like there's like wow. guitar work that yeah. is, and and the Tragic Hip can do that. Like yeah, like I don't understand how they did this, but there is a really okay computer vibe to this song mm-hmm. outside of the. The jangly guitar. Yeah, that, the lift um, off of the chorus. That's right. Yeah. Which is just a huge There's shining. stuff going on in the background. Yeah, yeah. And li- it's, listen to this song on headphones and, and tell me I'm wrong and I'm okay to be wrong. But like to me, I heard OK Computer in this song. Like it's it's that nuanced and um, there's great depth to it. It's really wonderful. This band does not get enough credit for the work no, they do. And they're so accomplished at what they do now. 
when yes. you want to flex their muscles in a different way, they, they've done, they've undressed the band. We talked about this on Music That's at Work. Right. And put all the pieces back together. Now they have this enormous toolbox to pull from. You, talk, you talked about Gord uh, in, in Road Apples. Um, you mentioned the word swagger. And now the, you know, this band as, mm-hmm. as a whole, each individual member in this band who are all re- almost getting ready to start flirting with solo careers themselves. Yeah. Um, they have such swagger as oh, well. Yeah. They're so accomplished. Yeah. And, and they just know, you know, you said the toolbox. They, they know this is the wrench I pull out for mm-hmm. this song. Oh, yeah. It's going to work beautifully. And uh, you can hear there's a, you know, a, a, this much time playing together. Uh, and creating this much quality together, there's a certain amount of trust you're going to have in a group like this, you know, to, to, to take risks and make a song that has this kind of uh, contrast and verse to chorus. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Just great. Yep. Um, so this takes us to... And it just beautifully flows right into it. It does, right? There, Use I don't it up think right into a, the darkest one. I don't think there's a break. And I, I cannot help it. I always, whatever, if, I'm, if it's I'm listening through headphones, if I'm driving, if I'm in the kitchen, as soon as that first little guitar lick of the darkest one starts, I will turn up whatever I'm listening to. Just a little bit, like oh, up, 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 up. a little bit more, a little louder, because this is amazing. I go bananas for this song. Me as well. Oh, my God. told my wife we were listening to this record uh she was doing some work around the house just yesterday and i was listening to this record uh, uh, you know on my power listen phase of listening to this record and i said to her i said if you if you ever want if we're ever in a fight or we're ever in a place mm-hmm. where you know things aren't where they should be and you want to win me back over just tell me you know tell me the following three lines and I'm yours. Like it's it's done. I'm melting. I'm I'm. I, it's over for me. Mm-hmm. And that is like the wild are strong, 
and the strong are the darkest ones and you're the darkest one. Mm -hmm. And I just think that is so wonderful. And I don't know why. I don't know if that resonates with anybody else from a romantic standpoint. Oh, sure. But I love it. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Yeah, it's remarkable. Well, there's a sense of, there's such a sense of safe place in this song. Uh, Somewhere that you are free to be you, to explore your thoughts, desires, and imaginations, to not be ostracized or feel left out or feel wrong about them. Like, there's such a a comfort. Um, All these, it's nothing but examples of it, you know, Um, where you can be lost in your imagination. You can uh, believe what you say without shame. I just do. Like, there's just freedom of expression. Yeah. In this song. This is a lot the way you described... um Vancouver divorce on mm-hmm. Coke Machine Glow. Mm-hmm. When you were talking about that, you know the the beginning, the first four lines of each verse: uh, "Come in, come in, come in, come in. From under these darling skies, come in, skies, mm-hmm. come in. It's warm and it's safe here, and almost hearkening off to a time and place now lost in our imagination." So that's like setting the stage, and then the next four lines are what that place is like what that place is all about, right? Mm-hmm. It's where you don't complain, but you yeah. still do. Yeah. Where you still believe what you say without shame, I just do. Mm-hmm. To say what you mean. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's got that same sort of vibe to it. Yeah. And and also his his musicality, his gourd's musicality has increased here. Oh god. He's coming in. If you ever try and sing along with this song, you will almost invariably unless you're unless you're much more rhythmically inclined than, than a lot of people, you're going to come in about a half measure too early on the first come in yeah. because he comes in a half measure late right? and makes it work. Yeah. And it's because it he so speeds his cadence and he's, yes. yeah, yeah. he's gotten with that, that sort of liquid delivery. He's gotten extremely good at it. Now it's, it's like it's liquid a liquid delivery. He doesn't really need to, uh, you know, work to make it fit in anymore. Like that's just how his approach will just always land. And it's uh, remarkably unique, and that's from Coke Machine Glow. You think? Uh, yeah, I think like I think it was always there, but he really got to. I don't know. Maybe he was able to foster it um, a little bit more, and I think because there's a there's a, a change again in this band yeah. uh, that that I think really just just echoes throughout the rest of what's to come in their catalog. But right. this this is this is the new up to here, you know. Um, oh, very interesting. Okay. Yeah, it's just, I feel like this just rides that out. And when this song came out, and the video for this one did, this this has the uh, Trailer Park Boys video. That's right. Yeah, which and, is fun. And Don Cherry. Yeah, and Don Cherry. Delivering pizza. Um, and I remember being irritated by the video when I first saw it. Because I loved the song so much. I was already familiar with the song we had from having the album. And then I was like, oh, The Darkest One is the next single. And I started to get, like, it started to go in my head again, too. Like, this could be the one. That goes in the states, right? Like, the good life is so fucking amazing and huge and emotionally powerful. Like I don't know how Bob Cajun didn't land, but maybe this will. Maybe this is what you know. And I was like, the darkest one, man. Like that could really, I could, I could hear that, that pulsating little beat, that great guitar line, and it's like everything about it is a hook. And then the video is so inside baseball. That's for, right. For yeah. Us. That's and right. Goofy. And I didn't like that it was goofy because I'm like, this isn't a goofy song. I no, like it's not song. goofy at now all. I like the video. I think it's great. You know, them arguing about how many buckets of chicken at the beginning is super funny. Yeah. 
Um, and it's just so uh, you just uh, you know, them trying for like going to break in the states is over, which is why they're writing. I don't want to say better music, but maybe more confident music at this point because it's just like no, it's, it's for them. And we're like make the video. What 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 do we want in the video? What we want in the video? The That's fucking right. trailer park boys. Yes. You know? Yeah. And uh, but I was still hanging on to some dumb thought like they needed to break in the states for something to mean something. And I, what did they, that goes away. I hear you. But it would have been cool if they had it been. Spike and Jones to make the video for it, you know? Right. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's great. A super good song. They could have had like a very impactful video. Yeah. I uh, love, love the yeah. song for oh, sure. It's just wonderful. But and, uh, and yeah. it takes us into another really just, wonderful song yeah the first single just it, another career high mark which they shouldn't be doing anymore this is their eighth <laughs> studio record and to drop a tune like this It's a good life if you don't weaken. Uh, which the title takes its name from a multitude of things, mostly a, a Canadian graphic novel of the same name. Um, and apparently it was a, a, a phrase they would use to describe life on the road. Oh, really? Yeah. Which, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so uh, the graphic novel... Um, is uh, by an artist known simply as Seth, uh, and it tells the sad story of a forgotten 1940s cartoonist named Kalo. Um, I've never read it, and I feel bad. I was really planning on reading it before we got to this episode, but uh, listen, I'm a grown up. I don't have time to read. You got some time. You got some books all the time. You're moving for heaven's sake. And I have to move. Everything's too busy this month. Anyway. Uh, hey, guys, if you want to make Greg's day, mm-hmm. send them a copy of yeah, this graphic novel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, and but it, but that 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 
phrase um, has appeared multiple times throughout the, uh, the 19th and 20th century in literature and other writing. Um, but for for our purposes, uh, Life on the Road is where it really comes from in this Canadian graphic novel. Did you come at across, least where they got the attention? Did you come across anything that explains? So we're using lyrics, lyric sheets here that we printed from the museum website, mm-hmm. and you'll notice that there's an asterisk after the title. It's a good life if you don't weaken, and it's and Molly Lorimer. And I couldn't ah, find yes. anything. Do you, know, do you know about this? Uh, yes, Molly oh. Lorimer. Thank you. Yeah, I've got something for you right here. You're so smart. Right here. Um, she was a staffer for the band. Uh, and she was the one, uh, Gord is the credit of hers, so she was the one who would use the phrase when discussing life on the road. Ah, okay, cool, 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 cool. So that's where it came from, was from her. Gotcha. As their staffer Molly on the road. Warmer. And they right. liked it a lot. So much. Nice. They wrote a song about it. It goes like this. Um, and this song, I mean, this song, Death, I think, is swimming all around it. Sure. Uh, the possible disease. Um, a lot of things to really kind of look into what is the subject matter that we're facing here. Um, particularly like uh, the d- d- declining state of your physical being, I think is very relevant here, you know. Um, uh, when the color of the night and all the smoke for one life gives way to shaky movements... Um, just I think that's interesting. Yeah, like, when you say that, yeah, uh, like some debilitating disease, or or like you say, close to death, like some, yeah, or in y- your youth, anyways. That's right, slipping away. Yes. Yeah, uh, and um, uh, improvisational skills too. I think you like when you're when you are s- slipping away from that, you you have to think in the moment to try and yes, keep and. up. Uh, yes, and <laughs> very good. Um, a forest of whispering speakers. Let's swear that we will get with the times in a current health to stay. Uh, and the forest of whispering speakers, I think that could be uh, the sentiment of all of your peers as we age down this road. Like the your 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 dumb little prayer at night, like tomorrow, sure. tomorrow I'm getting with it. And you, you say to yourself in the mirror, like, I'm you know, going to get with the times, gonna get my shit together. I'm going to get friendship right. That's I'm right. I'm going to do all of these things. I'm running out of time. I'm going to do them. Yeah, I almost think the Forest of Whispering Speakers, too, is, you know, based on what you're saying, those people that are uh, talking in hushed tones about mm-hmm. your state of health. Sure. Right? Oh, like yes, all absolutely. All your friends that oh, to your face, they're wonderful. Like, they're like, hey, you, hey, you look great, great Greg. You've never looked better. And then, yeah, yeah. you know, they're in the forest, yeah. the whispering speakers, talking about what a bag of shit you look like, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I love that. Let's get friendship right. Oh, that's beautiful. Get life day to day. In the forget your skate's dream. And then again, the Gord, the Gord Downey, the perfectness, the year, you yeah. know, like he is the master oh, of the white ER yeah. for... Yep, yep, yep. The, I love the forget your skate's dream. Yeah. Because... Um, even if you didn't play hockey, you know what that is. Sure. You know, we all have the uh, the, the skates we forgot for something. In a, you know, that panic, the anxiety dream, unprepared, uh, not going to be able to get it right. A wonderful uh, little shadow of self-doubt that everyone can relate to. Um, 
And I love, I just love the wording of a face so full of meaning as to almost make it glow. The, the cadence Lord. again, yeah. the, the, like, okay, so Coke Machine Glow is a book of poetry. Right. And some of it is set to music mm-hmm. and it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. He's become a, he's become a poet at this point. Oh, like yes. there's so much of his stuff that you can just read. Absolutely. And you don't have to uh, delve too deeply into the meaning. If you don't want to, you can just read it and enjoy it at like a rhythmic level. There's a couple other songs on this record as well. That There's just a rhythmicness to them. Um, the pentameter of them, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, is, um, or the, yeah, the yeah, the meter of them is yeah. is wonderful. It's not always pen, pentameter, but uh, it's it's really wonderful sounding and and this whole section in a, in a in the forget your skate stream full of countervailing woes in diverse as ever scenes proceeding on the need to know in a face so full of meaning as to almost make it glow and your your goosebumps. Oh yeah, it's just you're done. Yeah, and I love that. For a good life, we just might have to weaken. I love the sentiment of that, uh, you know, where we are, you know, warding off aging and disease and weight gain and whatever we can do. But like the, the true appreciation in finding these good things and, and finding the, the will maybe to look for them even or realizing that you need to look for them, you have to weaken. These things have to happen to bring you down to that point where you can find some place to grow, <laughs> you know, yeah. where you're needed yeah. to really figure that out. You do need to weaken a bit. You have to let the youthful armor go. All of this has to go away, right. you know, and then you can start to, to reach for something oh, wow. to really, you know, fulfill your life. How nice is that? It's really <laughs> wonderful. That's great. I love a, a song that has death swirling around it, but in such a lovely way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, that might be the thing that brings you where you need to be. Um, and that's where we're at. That's, you know, the song is, uh, it continues on with that and is mostly a repetition of the first half. Uh, and just that's, beautiful. It just, it just kills me, the song. And that's the end of what, you, what you're saying is sort of chapter one of this record. Right. 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 Absolutely. A remarkably short record, by the way. 11 tracks. Right. Well, listen, man. And they're just getting it done. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. They're in the Bahamas, they want to hit the yeah. beach, too. Yes. So now this is a quite a little runner on here one two three four agreed really good songs yeah this is a strong album out the gate agreed and then we get to silver jet where honestly it just continues <laughs> yes okay i was so nervous i was nervous when you were building that there i was like oh no does he not like silver jet because i'll tell you what yeah silver jet i adore this this is God, this is so good. it is really 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 good yeah Whisper me to Silver Jet 
this is this is at home on day for night this is at home on hen yep. house oh, this yeah, is at yeah, home yeah. on maybe even road apples and a yeah. different sort of um different vibe of it this is a tragically hip song to the extreme and i, mm-hmm. I th- this was a single right oh yeah yeah, yeah. Third single final yeah. single okay uh, just a performance video, uh, but a good one because you know it's you're watching Gord perform. It's kind of all you yeah, need, you that's know? what you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they they spent their money on uh <laughs> on uh the Trailer Park Boys and that's that, right. That, yeah, that, that, that nice estate building out in Oshawa for the uh, Good Life of uh, You Don't Awaken uh video. So and the record itself, three hundred grand they spent for five weeks in mm. the Bahamas. Wow, well, a lot of a lot of that's cabbage right. there. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, people are still buying uh, physical albums at this point. Um, what yeah. do you say about this song? Uh, man, well, this song's great because it does it pulls you back, kind of like it it changes gears in this album, and it kind of it gives you a little bit of this nice throwback to like maybe earlier hip and stuff uh, in a way where it isn't at home on these other albums anyway. It doesn't feel like retro or anything, or or like a step in a different direction. And it has this great familiarity that it, it just hits you with right off the top yeah. uh, with the opening line. Uh, uh, there's a still in the night, uh, a tuneless moonlight, just the I need you here, I need you here wise of snoring gourds and Cheryl's. Uh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> right? Do we know who Cheryl is? Uh, no, of course not, because he keeps all of that shit on severe lockdown. That is, uh, who's who, like, somebody out there, knows. family that you, you're not gonna ever know, yeah, or maybe their name isn't actually Cheryl. Oh, just the way it, the way he, the way he enunciates it, uh, yeah. Cheryl's, yeah, um, I need you, and here's wise, yeah, really, that's great. What what is this uh, song about to you? Does it have a an aboutness? Um, it does. It's sort of the. I feel like if 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 uh, if good life is the forget your skates dream, if it is the dream of death and the fear of it, and how to find you know somewhere to go, maybe this is the waking up from it. You know, oh, and cool. you okay. know uh, where you're you're you wake up and it's. You're, you're in the dream still, but there is some there. You know, the silver jet that's that's uh, cascading overhead is you know drawing you out of it to to observe what's happening around you actually at the moment. You know, um, and there's this, and the, maybe the, this is the setting you on your path too, because I love the uh, uh, your heart jumps too, and my heart jumps too, and I think to myself, I don't really know my heart. Isn't that great? Mm. <laughs> and as you whisper. Me too. That's right. Ooh, uh, very good. So this is the, this is the, yeah, it's the, I don't know. It's a, the jet is a symbol of, uh, you know, taking your gaze forward. It's a, a, the idea of maybe being on the jet, taking you away from here. But this is the start of your journey. This, sure. You know, the silver jet has to be the thing that gets you moving towards everything we've talked about. And uh, it's a good life, if, a good life if you don't weaken, you know? For me, I had to revisit one of my journals from when I was like uh, uh, somewhere in, I guess, the, the end of September of 2001. Yes. And I remember I lived on the Danforth as well, and we had a balcony. And I remember after 9-11 how empty the skies were for a couple of days. Sure. And I remember how off-putting it was one night toward the middle of September, I guess it would have been the 15th or 16th mm-hmm. when I was in my room typing away on my computer journaling 
and I heard the first plane right fly overhead yeah and to me i don't know if this is what this is about but that's what this song is about to me Mm -hmm. this song is like my heart jumps too and your heart jumps too and the second verse it's quiet again Mm -hmm. when a car like big ben it's radio dofferin and for all you gregory peck fans which is just great um (laughs) that quietness Mm -hmm. that was out there post 9-11 you know and, and a car just driving by with the radio blaring how how that just cuts through everything mm-hmm. and makes you nervous sure. and makes you disconcerted. Again, I feel like that's the it's a metaphor. I I think there's a lot to look at. This is 2002. Like we we've just done 9/11. So absolutely, I think that using and using the the imagery of a a jet or a plane as a, a beacon of something, either of hope to take you away or also something that cuts through the silence. That's right. But it could also be the thing like you're getting like there's there is a lot of like positivity in the journey in the first half and then when it gets quiet again when the jet screams through it's almost like um you know the fear returning that's right, right? i mean you know your, your own personal whatever your problem is and i love that it's a yes a, i know I where you're going here boy, the, the wolves of no, uh, uh northumberland you know what that is no um there's a couple of things because there's there's a couple of different northumberlands but there is uh in the uk there are the wolves of northumberland whereas there was the early 1900s. There's uh, this town that's having all of its livestock and like I think a couple of people too, just butchered by what they assume is a giant, bloodthirsty wolf. Wow! And they keep going and looking for it, and they're bringing all these like you know uh, hound dogs in to seek it out, and they cannot find it. The more that they think that they're gonna, they, their red should be on the tail of it slipping away into the darkness. They can't find this that beast is scary it is so scary i mean realistically it's probably just a pack of wolves not one right. big one but you know uh it was a time period of a lot of fear and misunderstanding and uh, a lot of weird stuff going on in the uk in the, in the beginning of the 19th century anyway so that's cool too is like, so as if the wolves of northumberland themselves were rumored to be on route like so this big terrifying mysterious shrouded in darkness bloodthirsty bloodthirsty beast en route and that makes your heart jump too <laughs> oh, man. i would say um and then but you're seeing the the silver jet again leads to something that's either positive or an escape mm-hmm. uh, uh an, an archipelago a satellite a green star that's you know a, a series of islands um something above and mysterious watching over us and a green star is like a um, like a oasis in the desert, like a oh real okay a mirage. You and your references, this yeah. is so great, interesting, wow. right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, but the, all of them are kind of like hopeful, you know. Um, I just think it's so visions. great that he uses archipelago. I know like, it's a, <laughs> I know it's one that when you're about to say it, you have to steal yourself. For That's a right. Am I going to spit this word out? Correctly? Is it going to be like a, me being Donald Trump and trying to say anonymous? Or <laughs> oh man, <laughs> yeah, I know. I'll just hang out on the S. <laughs> I just S for a while. Maybe they'll think there's a snake here and they won't realize that I don't know how to say this word. Um. What what more? Can, I mean, it's a great song. Yeah, he talks about Clackwatt Sound in it as well, um, which is which is a uh, something that means a lot to him and the band. Mm-hmm. Uh, the you know the clear cutting of the rainforest in Clackwatt Sound. They, yeah. had, they had recorded a song called Land earlier on, which we'll probably cover in a mm-hmm. in another episode. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, it, it's a wonderful song, and we're we're five deep here in an eleven song record, and it's like, you know, how are you going to get better than this? Uh, yeah. How are you? Hmm. Five tracks in of perfect. Yeah, perfect. Uh, then we get throwing off glass. <laughs> changes because of your relationship with your daughter a little bit sure right yeah there's something there's something to that the the song that you can you can experience in real life that you say a word and next thing you know she's saying the word yeah and um i mean the song is just so wonderful Mm -hmm. uh i read in a book this isn't my original thought but this is a companion piece Mm -hmm. to trick rider Oh really? Trick Rider is his boy, and this yeah. is his girl. Oh wow! Yeah, oh, and uh, how wonderful that is, right? I mean, he has four kids, I think, four or five, but uh, this is a a couple of them anyway. Are are dealt with through songs, I'm sure more are, mm-hmm. but but throwing off glass is, um, it starts out so different after the the dynamic, um, electric thrust and power of silver jet and i'm not making a pun there um you 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 really have to lean into this one uh when it when it starts yeah um and and what like what is he saying he's talking about boys in the back of a car yeah, like yeah, what yeah. like what what is this yeah, yeah. haircuts just drove past yeah I, yeah i don't yeah. quite understand this but yeah. But I think that that's all. And it's because it's a mood song too it there's is. no like big chorus here this is just like kind of we it's a bit of a soundscape that's know? right this would this would feel right at home in Coke Machine Glow. Yes, big time. And um, I, you know, I think the stuff at the beginning is is just context for what what's to come, and that's 
him and his relationship with, or, you know, the, the protagonist of the song and the relationship they have with their, with their young daughter and the um, conversations that they have. And uh, it's really quite wonderful. Uh, I would say this is, this is, uh, <laughs> this is, when I say it's a grower, it has really grown on me. This would yeah. have been like my number 11, mm-hmm. you know, a, a while ago. And, sure. and now it's, it's, yeah, it's way up there. And it's just, there. it's the, there's a, an intensity, a uh, urgency that builds in his delivery. Yeah. Um, uh, right. I mean, it, it grows through the whole song. Well, once we get to the, uh, once you said, mm, and unison and oh, and double surprise and shared relief with a, a mutual few and look into each other's eyes and that the leading to the, uh, I tell her that it isn't, insists that it isn't because like love, it has two cunning effects. Um, there's a, a uh, it's not a desperate push, but there, there's a there is an urgency to that. That's like there's this you know this swelling of a heart. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's uh, just uh, enormous, and I really feel it. You know? Uh, yeah. It's just as exquisite. I don't Isn't understand necessarily the throwing off glass. No, I don't quite either know what the title means. I yeah. wish I did. I wish I did. Uh, and I. Uh, and I, I I love uh, I love yeah the, when they pick up words mu and, and just like after she heard the word iridescent and everything was iridescent for a while right. yeah it wasn't it, long before it's exalted out of nowhere isn't this exquisite um, yeah that's uh, pretty special really amazing yeah uh, and just don't forget your your kids are listening yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah how wonderful. Um, so yeah, I don't know. This album does is quite a little journey, you know, and maybe that's part of the the first part of the trip along your silver jet is, you know, finding your your children <laughs> or something. Um, so track number seven mm. is all tore up. Yes, it is. feel like maybe they gave you your silver jet and then we get like kind of a strange song with throwing off glass maybe the album's just gonna like we're at the tail end here let's just chill out we're going to the side b and we'll do some weird stuff and whatever nope all tore up is a fucking sweet rocker that's right (laughs) like i held back on my f word so far but i gotta the getting all tore up absolutely play your fuck offs now right oh Boy, <laughs> man, do I love this tune. This is great. It's a great song. 
I don't. And, I, I, I don't know that I can articulate why I think it's great. Which, well, which is pretty weak for a podcast where you're talking about why things are great. Yeah, but sure. This is just one of those songs that it's I a great get rock up and roll in. song, uh, and it's about you know some of it is about going out and getting all tore up with your buddies, and that's what this song feels like, uh, and that's great and necessary, um, and uh, it's his uh, his delivery, um, particularly of the, the opening verse. Uh, we are a blowout of wicked proportions, an accidental company. If we said we're going to go out and get all tore up tonight, then we did, and we got a little happening. Uh, good golly. How nice is that? I don't know. I just think of like my old, old, old friends. When yeah, I, <laughs> your crew, right? When yeah. I hear this, you know. Yeah, it's it's got a few things that Gord does really well where there's a lot of quotations in here, right, where he's he works into the flow of a verse it's, uh, it's almost like uh, literature, <laughs> you know, yeah. with Dottie, the bluegrass singer, <laughs> bearing her local breast singing, you want an open concept? I'll give you open concepts. That's not a line in a song in anyone else's song. That's no, crazy. That's but it a- works so well. Yeah, this is just a great drinking rock and roll song uh, to me. What more uh, can you say? Yeah. This would have been. This is an album cut for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. But yeah. it would have been great be on single, tour. But man, do I love it when this song comes on. Yeah, for sure. And this is another one where I'm, I, I probably turned it up fairly significantly for the darkest one. But if I'm driving, I'll speed a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because tonight's the night. The night. Tonight, 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 tonight. Uh, leave. And then from there we go to leave. Leave. time signature very um it's got like sort of a swing to it it's uh uh some great 
backup vocal work on this. On Stunning, this. Some, because some, that's what makes the song. Because this the, the chorus is the chorus, and that each chorus is different. Yeah, it's more elevated each time. Yeah, we're in a different register for each one, and it right. makes the the urgency of the song really land by the end. Because I'm probably, probably on my first listen to this, I was like, "Well, this is a little, eh. yeah, you yeah, know, I can, I can leave." Yeah. Uh, we're just going to say the word "leave." We can leave. Yeah, all right, we can leave. But by the third time, he jumps into the "we can leave," and you got that beautiful backing vocal behind it. I was like, "Oh, Jesus!" I don't see any credits on the. I looked at the credits. I don't see a credit for any anybody else. Is is this is he just doing his own guy? harmony? Could is be. this just the guys like could be Paul and Gord yeah, uh, yeah. And, and Gord like uh, I, I mean it might be because those three work really well together mm-hmm. but uh, I, I did not see another it's quite beautiful it, it, it really is um, and again some unusual subject matter uh, you know the birds having the conversations about the <laughs> I love the context though too right where it's like okay so there's two birds talking um, <laughs> just so you know it's like a their nest is like uh is like upside down, like it's concave, uh-huh. and you know just so that makes sense to you, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's like what, like what? That doesn't make sense. Oh, okay, yeah. all right. Well, um, and what are they talking about? <laughs> well, they're talking about they're talking about attacks and routine and and uh, you know their their flock. Yeah. <laughs> like, what else would they be talking yeah, about? What else? Yeah. I don't know. Um. I again th- I'm going to take this for what it is. This is this is just a really interesting look at um <laughs> I don't know, not sticking around, yeah, not staying. Yeah, well cuz you don't have to. When you know, when you're not welcome or you're not needed or, or you have no business being somewhere anymore, you can leave. You can just leave. You can go if it's a job, if it's a relationship. If it's the town you're in, whatever it is, like if it has ceased to fit, if it's either unhealthy or unsafe or it's just over with, you can leave. <laughs> it's yeah. okay. Go. Change. There's death and change. That's this album. So is this again death a little bit as well? Like, is uh, this. No, is I don't this think this is death too point? much death. I think this is just, this is the in preparations for. I think this is the, you know, find somewhere to grow. Gotcha. You've okay. got to leave to do that sometimes. This is just and and it's not it's not a bad leave. It isn't. It's just like you can just go. You can just it's just time. It's okay. Leave. We'll do it together, you know? Um and I like it for that. And it's like and because it be, it, it just becomes urgent but pretty at the end, you know? Like and leaving is a good thing sometimes. Change is great and necessary. Um yeah, I think, I, I don't know, that's what I get from it, you know? Yeah, I, 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 I'm I always gonna, have. I'm not going to argue. The, the, the only thing I would say the death the death piece is there's the mm-hmm. talk, and I'm going to try yeah, yeah, by well, the lyric here. Sure, sure, sure. Is when the birds are talking about um, worms coming from the sky. Oh, right, right. There's a, in the afterlife, uh, there's more worms than earth, that, that bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost like, you know, that the, the shit, shit could be better. It's, it's okay to yeah, leave yeah. because... Yeah, things might be better, you yeah. know, than than where you are right now. I don't know. I don't know. I, you got me really thinking about this yeah. death stuff. Yeah. Well, it's it's there. <laughs> it is there. A beautiful thing. Ulcerating silence. Perspective comes the way it always does. It's ransom. So randomly, somebody calls. 
phone rings and it brings Niagara Falls at three o'clock in the morning. You'd better be dying if you were. So we talked about the time and where it went. The most Rio statics they've ever sounded. Okay. I'd say. It has a real Rio's vibe to me. Not in a bad way at all. Uh, No. But it's just like it just feels. And hey, three, four time. Ah. You do not get different time time signatures too much. uh, And this is a nice waltzy three, four. So, yeah. uh, What, 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 what do you you gather here? Well, there's a conversation on Hit Museum, I think, where mm-hmm. they they just ask Gordani and they're just sort of like, like what's the deal? And, and, and he's like, well, it's, you know, if, if you get one of those late night phone calls and somebody, you know, you whisper to yourself, you better be dying. You better be dying. Yeah. And like, what if when you answer the phone, they work? Mm-hmm. And, you know, what does that look like? Yeah. I, I, am, I, am I off base there with what he said? <laughs> no, not at all. That's what it is. Uh, yeah, there's, you know what's, there, there is a lot of poetry to this album, but a few of the songs are just kind of like, we're going to write about this thing. That's right. It's and I'm very not gonna, literal. You know, write it out loud. I feel like it's a little bit, you know, and this yeah. as well. And this is. Mm. Let's just listen. Let's just listen to this solo. God, like, I mean, what? <laughs> well, I mean, I, there's not much you can say. I mean, no. the song, the, the, you know, at three o'clock in the morning, you better be dying, and you were. So we talked about things and where they went, big remarkable events, and how each day's a new day, and they get spent. How you continue artfully, like the breeze, trying to do one true beautiful thing. And you're a beautiful thing. A beautiful thing to see. Um... There's not much you can really. Yeah, I'm getting. There's no mixed metaphor in here. That's no, I'm getting emotional on its face here. What it is, and that's the 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 one lyric thing in itself to say. The one lyric that you left out of that, and yes. it's um, right now. I'm thinking about my mother, who my mother has cancer, and uh, and um, it's stage four cancer, and it's you know, oh. and uh, you know, it's it's a uh, touch and go. Every every appointment is sort of touch and go. But that lyric, um, the, the one lyric that you missed there, which, yeah. which is, um, you, you know, you're a beautiful thing, uh, to see a beautiful thing continuing, yeah. you know? And that's, uh, that's the hopefulness there, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, that, my God, you know, this is really great and, and wonderful, but, you know, fingers are crossed, yeah. right? And that's all we can do. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's cross our fingers and... Wish on green stars or or, or right, whatever, right. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, very, um, very emotional song. It's yeah. very emotional. Big time. Uh, we get caught off guard just as the protagonist does answering the phone at three in the morning yeah. and the tears come like Niagara Falls. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Gord. Amazing. Yes. And thank you, Gord. Uh, so now we go into the, the last two tracks of the record, which I feel have a bit of a flow as well. Yes. Um, They're enormous. They, they <laughs> really are. And we talk uh-huh. about time. We, we talk about time signatures. Right. And we'll get to it when we get to the last song, because that's the first Tragically Hip song, I think, that really does what it does. Yeah. Does what it does. But mm. before we do that, we'll talk about the Dire Wolf. Yes. This is, uh, as you know, they famously said, any you know great any uh, great uh, band or songwriter that's worth their salt has a song about a nautical disaster. And yes, that was one's nautical disaster. This one's Direwolf, though, uh, and it's an interesting way of telling a story. It's not as direct or storytelling like nautical disaster is, because there's a lot that uh, you could kind of draw from as far as like historic events where you're going to you know, try to figure out what he's talking about at different times. Um, this is, a, this is a, as much a, a pseudo history lesson as it is a song. Sure. Um, with, when, with an interesting casting of uh, Tallulah Bankhead and Canada Lee in here. Um, so Tallulah, let's get with that. So yeah, Tallulah Bankhead. Tallulah Bankhead uh, was, a, was a big actress. Um, known for a reckless lifestyle. So she was a heavy, heavy, heavy smoker, drinker, lots of drugs to either wake her up or put her to sleep. What era are we talking? Oh, uh, 40s. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Promiscuous, didn't give a fuck. Like she was not of her time. (laughs) 40s. Courtney Love of the 40s. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, uh, you know, uh, alleged to have uh, numerous uh, affairs with men and women. Oh wow! And just like was just a 
doing it by her own rules. Uh, and she starred in uh, Hitchcock's The Lifeboat with Canada Lee. Canada Lee was an African-American actor in the 40s, which is not a common thing, and he had a big role in this movie, and he had quite a bit of fame, which he used to try and do some good with. But when the, uh, the, the great blacklisting came, in the beginning of the 50s, he was on that blacklist and all the communist-fearing uh, right-wingers, you know, he was a, a huge target of that and uh, died of a heart attack in his mid-40s. Jesus. It was just a bummer. Like, right after he got married, too. Terribly sad. And a lot of people in his family would uh, speculate that the stress of the blacklisting and the intense pressure on him from right-wing America led to the heart attack. But anyway... Quite a thing, but they starred in this Hitchcock picture, The Lifeboat, which uh, obviously for its title, you can figure it takes place on a lifeboat. It's a shipwreck picture. <laughs> wow. And so they're the stars of this shipwreck movie. He was not from Canada. He just happened to be named Canada Lee. He okay. was born and died in New York City. Um, Greg is not reading this from anywhere. I just need you to know this is all out of his head. <laughs> right? That's, that's right. Yeah, I will you're, read things from things here and there. Yeah, but that no. was in my brain. He's a movie guy. Yeah, like, I do like movies. Um, man, I love this song. I would like to say that. It's cadence. It's flow. It's, the rhythms are so great. It's just you don't need to know. listen to the story to enjoy the song, but it sure makes it interesting. Um, and that's September off the uh, Isle of Mords. Uh, so that's Island of Death. Uh, okay, yeah. Uh, Francais. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of stories I read on what this might be. And uh, I was, you know, for years wondering, like, is the dire wolf the name of a boat? Is that, but, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm not sure it's, it's, it's who the boat like, I mean, is here, what's going on. And I, I love the sense of, of, of fear of death in this one as well. Um, when you're in a lifeboat, if we're talking about Canada Lee and Tallulah Bankhead, we must be talking about the people on the lifeboat uh, who are either being pulled out of the water or drifting in it and uh, then looking at the water and knowing that bigger boats have been done by less water, better boats have been done by this water. You know, like just the, 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 the startling reality of your fragility out on the water. I'm shaking my head in disbelief as I'm hearing, as I'm, as I'm hearing Greg read these lyrics, like I get caught up in this song and this is one where I haven't really, um, like Tallulah Bankhead just sounds like to me, it sounds like, like a place, like a place. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and Canada Lee. And, uh-huh. Yeah. 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 You know, but, but with the lyrics in front of me, it's like, Oh, and that context, mm-hmm. uh, and the context of the film, like very cool, man. Yeah. It's super cool. Um, and there's another really interesting line here. The uh, where is it uh, about uh, going past the direwolf's lair on Newfoundland's Paws, P-A-W-S, uh, and then we get Newfoundland paused, P-A-U-A-S-E-D later. Which and there's a little oh, right. fun with it, Beautiful. right? Because yeah. a Newfoundland is a type of dog as well. Yeah. Right. Um. So there's all this trickery with language, too. Like, this is a, such a, a slippery song to grab a hold of what he's talking about or what the story is. Um, and, and then the structure of it is inspired by a poem um, called Sea Surface Full of Clouds. 
Um, and the, and the and the flow of the the writing in the po- in the poem is like describing a time, like giving you like in that September of, uh, or in that September off rather, and then that makes you think one one think of Tony Ports and blah blah. And the the poem flows like that too. It gives you a scenario of a place, what it makes you think of, and then where it goes. And it's an extremely long poem. Gang, this is a rock and roll record. Yeah. And, and make no mistake, yeah, this yeah, record yeah. is yeah. rock and fucking roll. Yeah, totally. And, and this is a, a smoking little tune. It's, it's not like a little boring, you know, sleeper. No, this of a, course. It's got and some life in it. Listen to the way Greg's talking about it, breaking it down. <laughs> it's written this way because of this poem mm-hmm. um, and, and then these characters that are real life characters in yeah, this yeah. film that they were in. Jesus Christ, what? planet am i on right now (laughs) (laughs) um i love the line with them of so when you know that Tallulah bankhead and canada lee are actors from a film together and so when you have uh uh uh, it makes one think of uh, Tallulah bankhead and canada lee somewhere far off peaceful sleeping and done with acting and that's so nice oh that yeah that's really Uh, they both kind of had a bit of a rough go i mean Tallulah bankheads were you know uh uh, i think she lived to be a about 60 not a long life either no 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 um and then again they come up again the second time somewhere far off peace peaceful sleeping and they learn to love sleep that's great um so and then there's another okay here we so uh, I, I am going to have to draw something for sure. a little bit of reading here but it just uh, it's worth it um let me just find my notes there is another story that's in here that I feel like fits in uh, um, uh, fairly well. Um, so there's, and I can't, I don't remember how it ties to the song anyway. So there's a, a woman named Ann Harvey, uh, uh, who has a, a pretty famous performance, and um, Gord has mentioned her in live performances. Anyway, Ann Harvey. Uh, when she was a teenager, um, born in a small fishing community um, of uh, Isle of Morts, Newfoundland, Canada, she uh, was has been called the Grace Darling of Newfoundland. Known for her brave, known for her bravery at a young age, uh, at seventeen, for rescuing along with her father, younger brother, and a dog, one hundred and sixty-three shipwrecked souls from the brig dispatched between July twelfth through the fifteenth of eighteen twenty-eight. So this uh, the, uh, the the dispatch was the name of the boat uh, was uh, on, on its way through. The the boat goes down, um, and. Uh, a lot of people died. A lot of people drowned, and a lot of people were lost on the shore. They found them on this uh, this island bank, but they couldn't get in because of the the, the water was so rough. And so they were sending out uh, a, like a plank of wood and like drawing them out from from the shore and having to pull them up to the boat to get them away from there. They were dying of exhaustion on the beach. They were dying on their way to the boat through the water. Um, so that. When you think about that and, you know, being um, uh, the bigger boat's been done by last water and better boat's been done by this water, like that, that, that sense of fear uh, of, of, of your precarious scenario lost in water. Anyway, uh, wow. And a dire wolf is uh, uh, <laughs> a dire wolf. OK. Is a prehistoric wolf. Oh, almost uh, what they were so terrified of in, in our previous song we were talking about. It's a giant, well, it's slower, but much, much bigger than a wolf today. Um, huge, terrifying predator. Death on four legs. So that, okay. Right. Makes sense. 
Hmm. Sort of. <laughs> sort of, yeah. I mean, I'm doing my best with uh, piecing together all the stories Gord's telling here and maybe what he's using sometimes as uh, as a literal sense and then sometimes in metaphor. Interesting, though. Um, Just one. Outstanding. Um, but there's a lot to read. And the, I read the poem. It's by Wallace Stevens, sea, sea Surface Full of Clouds, and it's a fascinating read. Um, and is it's it, interesting to see it how it on he, the internet easily? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, just Google that and you'll come up with the poem. Um, really interesting song. And just wh- I think, you know, there, here's someone really challenging themselves to write. Uh, and like, well, I want to, and taking a, a, you know, a format and I'm going to write in it and I'm going to tell this story and maybe another one because frequently it's more than one story with Gord. Um, a lot of crisscross. Yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, and do yourself a favor and look up uh, Anne Harvey uh, and read her story because it is wild. And Candle and Tallulah. Yeah, and can, yeah, yeah, a lot of cool of stuff. Yeah. And, and watch Lifeboat. Who doesn't like Hitchcock? An- another film I haven't seen. Mm. So we wrap up this record with this sort of uh, double-edged track, mm-hmm. The Dark Canuck. Yeah. This one is for you, and it goes on and on and on and on. And uh, this song mm-hmm. really, is this maybe the longest Tragically Hip song? Yeah, I think so. Uh, it's, it's like a good six minutes. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, more. It's certainly not, you know, made for the radio. No, no. It's uh, got a couple, of, it's got a time signature change in it. Yeah, it's got a, yeah, it's, it's just very pronounced. Shifts gears uh, a little more than halfway through. Yeah. Um, it's a it's <laughs> yeah, six a, and a half minutes. Um, there's some musing about art. Yeah. There's um, there's some God. I mean, well, there's everything in this song. There is there's everything, everything in this song, and mostly I think we're talking about uh, uh, Canadian soldiers or a soldier. I don't know if it's meant to be many. I feel like it's many. It's the light, but, uh, and that's the, the shift, you know, the second half of the song is then to the soldier coming home perspective, right? 
um, and all kinds of neat stuff going on here. So, and and the role of the Canadian soldier, uh, which is a you know, peacekeeper, a little bit of a uh, uh, maybe moderator at times too. Mm-hmm. It's a different role out there for for Canadians. Oh, um, oh, hold up, here it is. The time changed. And bam. Okay. Sorry. Go. And I love I, I love wondering about the line, uh, uh, when nothing seems to do, for when the doubtless and the wrong ask, can I help you in that way that says, I can't. Uh, and I, 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 depending on my mood, it's either the soldier being stuck in that position of saying, can I help you in the way that means I can't, or whomever they're dealing with in in the front of you know, facing a different group of people when you are a soldier. Whoa. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, I hadn't taken it that way at all. I like the flip. That's I, great. It go either way. You know, like, uh, there's this, uh, and, uh, there's a Frank Zappa song, uh, uh, Camarillo Brillo. Okay. Right? And at the end of it, he's just talking to this girl and he's like, is that a real poncho? I mean, is that like a Mexican poncho or is that a Sears poncho? And then there's a pause, and he goes, hmm, no fooling. And I'm like, which one was it? You know, it kind of depends on my mood, because his, right. his response can go either way. That's know? right. That is a serious poncho? Hmm, no fooling. It looked real. Or, oh, no fooling. That's actually a Mexican poncho. How nice. <laughs> and it kind of depends on my mood which one it is. And I like that the, this is another line that can kind of, you can shift your perspective on it. Um... And there's, uh, yeah, it, there's again a wonderful use of language. You can cast your doubts, Beautiful. turn them inside out, hang them upside down until their art falls out. Oh, Jesus Christ! And the short answer is forty hours. Uh, <laughs> I like that little aside because um, it, it, it's so there. If you haven't, if you haven't heard what Paul's response is to Gort's call, it is inside forty-eight hours. Short answer is forty-eight hours. Mm-hmm. Um, what? <laughs> what? I love the, the rhythmicness of um, or claim that we're the same, just inconsistent, or pretend all understanding turned out to be pretense, then pretend the pretense of understanding. How long does it take? Depends. Good yeah. Lord. Yeah. That's just great to read. Yeah. And that's a complicated life in the military. You know, that's a, that, it's right there. Uh, Understanding and pretense, you know, like what, yeah. you, what you bring to the situation, what you assume it is, um, and how you deal with it then. And once you learn that maybe it isn't quite like that. Um, so we and we deal with a lot. Like the, the first half of the song plays with a lot of these ideas, and you know what it, what it's like for, I guess, the soldier already home as well. If you need a good connection for drugs or strong tolerance for alcohol, too little religious education, some pain threshold. Um, God, yeah, uh, yeah. After ten a night, smoke your cigarettes if you like, of course. Second half of the song is the, uh, you know, if we ever get home, it's you know, it's the view coming home. Um, and there's like an interesting, the weirdest bit of storytelling. I don't know. There's no writer who writes like this in rock and roll songs. No. Um, if we ever get home, just just to underscore that lyric really quickly before you get into this. It sounds so. There's a there's a, um, an urgency mm-hmm. and a and a fearfulness in the way he delivers totally. that lyric. Yeah, the shift in the song, the tempo yeah. has changed, yeah. the whole tone has changed, everything's changed. Uh, I'm gonna have three. I'm gonna have me three children: Apple, Zippo, and Metronome. That's what I'm gonna name them. Interesting. 
And I was like, thought about that forever. And I'm like, is this like what a soldier has with them and all the time? Like, why does he have a metronome though? <laughs> it's one of, you know, <laughs> a metronome. Make a lot of sense. But, but check this out. Apple, Zippo, Metronome are uh, uh, record labels. Oh, wow. So I don't know what to do with that, but they are. Apple wow. Records, Zippo Records, and Metronome Records. That's really cool. It is cool. <laughs> so Beatles, uh, are there, yeah, fe- yeah, yeah, are there yeah. featured artists on Zippo and Metronome? Uh, not that I can draw from. No? Not okay. like, oh, like Apple is so not, huge. Like, yeah. I don't know if they were you know, developed basically for an artist like Apple. Um, Whoa. Yeah, that's uh, so. I, another thing just to drop on you. And then I guess, and this has some interesting relevance to now, uh, or t- 2016 anyway, in the yeah. tour. So... Uh, we it, the the song takes you then to a, a, a drive-in double feature. That's right. Where we're watching Jaws, and then a uh, a fictional movie called The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight, which is I guess a war tribute film type thing. Uh, and in uh, the clouds of blood at the end of Jaws, which is when uh, you know, smile, you son of a bitch, boom, right, and you get the, the yeah. noise, which is from the end of Duel as well, when the trucks rolling down the hill, and the 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 head of the of Jaws is rolling, you know, deep into the sea, and there's a huge billowing cloud of blood that comes out of him. So that's what we're referencing there: the clouds of blood at the end of Jaws, uh, and the and the cars honking their applause. Ah, get that fucking shark! Um, and that's such an interesting, um, uh, interesting couple, couple, coupled with the idea of, you know, the the. People are at home in 1976, yes, 77, honking their appreciation of all this, you know, blood. When meanwhile, there's people in Vietnam or right in any war, anywhere, yeah, slaughtered and right, not honking their horns. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Uh, and uh, so it's Jaws and the Dark Canuck. Should we stay for the Dark Canuck? Yeah, everyone, hands up. Who's for the Dark Canuck? You know. Like you have to entice them into it almost, and well, I feel like that's a real, uh, a real look at like Canadian pop culture in general. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, how do you compete against something like Jaws? How do you compete against America? Sure. You know, like, are we going to say we've got this great movie that we've just told you all about? It's compelling. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. It's the same story that goes on with any American soldier. Mm-hmm. It's a Canadian soldier in this case, mm-hmm. and it's called The Dark Canuck. But nobody's gonna watch it, yeah, because Jaws was first, and they're gonna leave. They're gonna honk their horns. They're gonna leave, and oh, I'm not gonna stay for the dark Canuck. Yeah, it's, it's Canadian. Yeah, we just said I would steal that blood. That was terrific. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and if, just hours. just right before that, in the uh, if we ever get home and the subject comes up, this war isn't for children. War is nothing's enough. Uh, and then, yeah, so you, I guess you, I just picture the soldiers sitting there watching the blood and the applause for it and then, like, the coaxing to appreciate the, the soldiers' return, which... Oh, that's cool. Okay, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I I'm with know. you there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we relinquished enough and it's still dark enough. Because then uh, I, I always wonder, does this have some throwback to uh, The Wild or Strong? Is this the darkest one, you know? Yeah. So that is... Um, now there's there's going to be people out there that are like, oh, Jamie and Greg obviously aren't Hit Club fans because <laughs> this was the first CD that was sold with a card called the Hip Club, oh. and you registered your card and you got right. three bonus tracks. And oh. this was yeah, 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 because this was they were we were starting to face 
right. uh, digital yeah, you know, yeah, Napster. Yeah. There had to be a way to combat that. That's right. So yeah. there was three bonus songs. Yeah. We're not going to talk about them on this record, uh, on this podcast, rather. We will talk about them another time, though, yeah. potentially. We'll have another episode of uh, that's right. rarities and extras yeah. and stuff like that. So, yeah, uh, because this, so, this is the album. That's right. This is the record. Yeah. Um, God, man. Yeah, it's a this big one. This is 11 tracks. It, no I, fat on this at all. Not a not a. It never loses momentum. Nope. It has a wide variety of changes. That's right. Um, but it holds together. It, these songs fit so beautifully together. And it holds up. Here we are, yeah. what? We're, we're seven, uh, 12 years later, and it's yeah. really, really good. Yeah, still one of my very favorite hip hop. Yeah, I don't know why where I got 12 years from, but whatever. 2002, <laughs> 15 years. 16 years. 16 years, yeah. Years, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, what do you, what, what are you putting on your list? Oh, boy. <clears throat> That's so... Silly to change that. I, yeah. I, I, the whole I, record, the whole album. This is a very, very, very good album. I mean, when it comes down to it, uh, and I, I hate it when it's singles, I feel like I should be like, oh, no, it's this, and, but it really is coming down quite intensely between the darkest one and it's a good life if you don't weaken. But I will uh, go with it's a good life if you don't weaken. I feel like it's the centerpiece of the album. Uh, it was, uh, I'm still. Every time it starts, I get a little bit of a shiver. I can't wait to hear the whole thing. And I feel like it's, that's my, I, I, it's got to be. It's, Ladies and gentlemen. It's not, have, it's not a creative choice, but it's the right one. We have history <laughs> being made today. No. Oh. Because it's the first time in the history of fully and completely <sighs> that we are picking the same track. Oh, So this, this is going to make both our lists. Great. Because come on, man. Because it's a great It's song. so good. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 There's nothing wrong with that. It'll be interesting. Where we sequence it, where we put it, um, yeah, yep. and what's around it is going to be yep. different. But For uh, sure, but this is a this is a master masterpiece. Yeah, absolutely. <sighs> no business being this good at this point in your career. Nope. So from here, we uh, are going to get another Gord solo record. We're going right. to we're going to talk about Battle of the Nudes next on mm-hmm. the next episode, mm-hmm. and that should be real fun. Yeah. Um, and then we. Uh, we start to get into the later years and yeah. some of the other solo records, That's some right. Paul and some of the uh, Strippers Union stuff, and yep. that, that should be a lot of fun. We got some guests coming up on That's episodes right. coming up, so yeah. that'll be fun too. Although it's very nice to have you all to myself. I'm not gonna it's, lie. It's good. It's good. Yeah. yeah. Um. Thanks for uh. Thanks for coming out, everybody. Pick and up your shit. <laughs> Fully and completely is a modern superior podcast. You can find out more information about the show at www.fullyandcompletely.ca. You can tweet us at at, at. fullypodcast. Mm. And, of course, you can find uh, more information about our show and many other fantastic shows at www.modernsuperior.com. <laughs> I came in there for that. That's awesome. <laughs> This episode has been brought to you by the Modern Superior Podcast Network. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.